Hey there. You're listening to What Was Your Favorite Part, a podcast about cinema and us. My name is Ian, and I'm the host of the show. I'm so happy you're here, especially since this is the first episode of the show in this journey through movies and what they mean to us. Today I'm joined by my friend Dime. We discuss 2018's animated superhero film, Into the Spider-Verse. Since this is the first show, I wanted to provide a brief rundown. Simply put, this is a podcast about movies. That said, we're going to seek to be a little bit more and discuss why certain movies mean more to us beyond the excitement and entertainment value that they seek to provide. We'll have insightful and thoughtful conversations about classically rewatchable films and others you may have never heard of before. I really want to know why certain stories resonate with others. Every week I'll be joined by a friend to discuss a movie that fits this bill. Our format is malleable, sometimes it'll be more plot focused, other times it'll be more feelings focused. I hope you enjoyed this episode of What Was Your Favorite Part? When I was little, movies were popcorn entertainment. They were reasons to gather, and they were an escapist medium. Among giants like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Star Wars films, maybe nothing was more quintessentially escapist and aspirational than the Spider-Man films. Spider-Man's a story about an everyday person who through extraordinary circumstances, obtains unbelievable powers, and becomes the hero we all sometimes wish we could be. I remember once pretending to be sick so I could stay at home just to watch Spider-Man 2. Pre-MCU, I was an avid comic book reader, starting with the Spider-Man comics. Comics fell out of favor later in my life. I became more preoccupied with band and soccer practice, as well as dating. That said, I never lost that fascination for the American mythology that is the superhero genre. There's something simplistic and inspiring about these stories, and while they may not be cinephile fare, they can be truly wonderful stories to immerse ourselves in. For our first episode, these tales of loss and finding our own power inside ourselves are center stage. This is What Was Your Favorite Part, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation I had with my friend Dime on 2018's Into the Spider-Verse. of faith. Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? 
Before we get into why you chose into the Spider-Verse, can you like tell me and the listener just a little bit about you and your history with like movies in general? How did you like come to movies and what do you find like so amazing about them? Yeah, so my history cuz I've I've always watched movies, but I think at a certain age, probably when I was younger, I wasn't really um like I wasn't really grasping them as well. So it was the movie, it was Quentin Tarantino's movie, Pulp Fiction, that really kick-started my love for film. And from that point on, I had just been just watching movies just out of just sheer love because I just absolutely just love watching them. I think they're like a great escape for like a chunk of time, no matter if it's like a comedy or a drama or... You know, if you also love musicals, anything like that, I think they're just a great way to just escape your reality and dive into this sort of reality that someone created. And that's that's why I just love movies. And yeah, and thanks to Quentin Tarantino for Pulp Fiction. That's what kickstarted everything. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I think a many a film lover has started off their obsession with cinema with Quentin and probably Pulp Fiction as well. Mm-hmm. I love I love Pulp Fiction, but we're not talking about Pulp Fiction, and we're not talking about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about 2018's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a very different kind of like animated film, and this was like pushed by Sony to somewhat rejuvenate the Spider-Man franchise amidst the MCU of it all. And as I bring that up, I am curious, like, do you like the MCU? Oh, I uh, I love the MCU. I uh, okay, so it's not just Spider Man. No, 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 no. It's uh, yeah, I I love all the MCU characters. A lot of them I got to know from watching the movies, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a diehard MCU fan. So, like, did you read comics as a kid? Is there like any kind of background? Like, how how deep does your Marvel love go? Do you like those OG Spider Mans? Those OG X Men? I I never read the X Men comics. So I guess there's that part of Marvel that I've never really dove into too much. I know like the general stuff, but I did read some of the comics. I think I did start off with Spider-Man because, you know, Spider-Man is such an iconic character. I think that's kind of where a lot of people start for as far as the MCU is concerned. Really, the movie that started it all was Iron Man in 2008. Because, I mean, I saw the other movies before then, like The Incredible Hulk, but that wasn't really MCU at the time. So from... Iron Man up until now with all the TV shows and everything else, I have, I've pretty much watched everything. And I have gone back to watch the other movies 
like Fantastic Four and things like that. But yeah, as far as MCU, yeah, I started with Iron Man and then I read a few of the comics, but uh, X-Men weren't really my thing too much. I mean, some of the characters are cool, like Wolverine. It wasn't like, you know, Iron Man or Spider-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy, things like that. Black Panther, you know, the list goes on. Now, you say you read Spider-Man comics. Do you have, like, any kind of other history with Spider-Man? And had you heard about Miles Morales before the end of the Spider-Verse came out? Uh, Yeah, I don't have too much history with Spider-Man. I mean, if I do, I can't really remember. It might have been when I was younger. Um, as far as Miles Morales, I did come across him at one point. It might... I don't remember how, but I remember it came up at one point, him as Spider-Man. And I had really just grasped onto him as a character because I thought it was really cool and how he was, you know, his own version of Spider-Man. And then there was the little hint in Spider-Man Homecoming. He was also in the Spider-Man PS4 game that came out a couple years ago. And then not Mm -hmm. long after that, then they had the Spider-Man Miles Morales video game for the PS5, which I obviously played. Uh, And then also weaving in between all that was... Uh, the Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse movie, which gave him his, um, his you know, his final time to be, you know, shown on the big screen. Though it wasn't in live action, uh, I still appreciate the fact that they were able to do this for this character. Yeah, no, and like it not being in live action, a lot of people might say that, that, that that's like a benefit. A lot of people might say that's a flaw. I know personally, I am not always the biggest fan of animation, what about you? Do you typically gravitate towards animation or are you kind of like, no, I'd rather see it like done for real with like practical effects or CGI for that matter? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, do, I do like animation. I don't see a whole lot of animated movies. There, there are some that do grasp my attention, um, you know, especially if the animation looks cool or it's a nice story. Well, I guess I do really do love animation because, you know, there's Disney and Pixar and they make mm-hmm. some incredible movies. But outside of Disney and Pixar, I don't see too many other animated movies, like I said, unless they grab my attention. But yeah, anim- animated is great. So um, did you see this in theaters? I, I did. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it the same year it came out. I saw it with my mom. We got these like um, advanced screenings for it. It was like first come, first serve for seats. And wow. so we had to go into the city to go see it. I think it was at least a week or two before its wide release. And that's in the size. So I that saw, is dope. Yeah, it was great. It was a great theater experience. My mom, um, she's not too big into animated movies herself. Um, but I was telling her about this. I showed her some trailers and she was into it. So then I was able to grab the tickets. We went there, had a great time. And it was, yeah, it was such a fun theater experience. And there was people of all ages in there. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. No, that sounds so much fun. I unfortunately didn't get to see it. This was a uh, Redbox movie for my family back in the day. We got the dollar a night rental from Redbox. And I do remember loving it. But until you brought it to me, I had not watched it since that point. And I believe that would have been 2018 when it came out. Or it was 2019. Whenever it came out on disc, that's when I eventually saw it. And I remember being like, oh, that's super cool because my little brother was really into it. Uh, They love animation. They are like super about the superheroes. Mm -hmm. Maybe less so these days, but they were like, we got to watch this. And I had a a great time. But I just sadly never like kind of revisited it until uh, prepping for this podcast. You know, you mentioned a little bit about seeing it 
before its wide release, talking about Spider-Man and animation a little bit. Uh, it was funny enough, in researching for this episode, I came across that the first hint of Into the Spider-Verse was as part of those Sony leaks that came back a little while before the film's release, where a bunch of emails from executives and whatnot were leaked. A lot of... <laughs> how do I put this? A lot of unsavory things being said about people in the industry... But one of the less unsavory things and just kind of like, ooh, that's very cool things that was leaked was that Sony wanted to rejuvenate the Spider-Man franchise because, you know, we had those Tobey Maguire films, which I don't know if you really liked those, but I loved so much as a child. And then we had the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, which I was like, nah, Tobey's my Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, I was the same way. Tobey was my Spider-Man because, I don't know, the whole... I like Andrew Garfield, but this is his version of Spider-Man, and those movies just weren't great. You know, I didn't like what they did with the other characters, so I didn't like their version of Green Goblin and then Electro. And then also Andrew Garfield wasn't as... He didn't come off as, like, the nerdy sort of Peter Parker that we all know. Like, Andrew Garfield, he just seemed too... Like, he seemed too cool to be this character. And so it just didn't really... It didn't work for me. And so I'm not surprised that they didn't do a third one just because the first two just did not do well. Yeah, no, I completely agree with uh, everything you just said. I felt like Andrew Garfield was a little too cool, no matter how much love I have for Andrew Garfield. To me, Spider-Man was always supposed to be more of not an outcast, but like somewhat of an outsider, somebody who, you know, didn't necessarily fit in, but he couldn't be like, it was what I'm trying to say is it was really hard to accept that a hottie like Andrew Garfield was like this nerdy, unpopular uh, kind of like outsider mm-hmm. at his at his school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't buy into it either. Yeah, and then but I had never heard of Miles Morales um, because I fell off the comic train right around high school, and I was in my early twenties when this came out. You know, this was a completely new Spider-Man. I I actually thought he was invented for the film. Super excited to learn that there was a whole comics canon with him in it. And just the whole idea of, like, multiple Spider-Man was like, ooh, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. know that was, like, a thing that had been done in the comics. And I'm still not sure if that's accurate. I might be, I might be outing myself as, like, a non-comics reader. This whole concept of Miles Morales and many Spider-Man was just kind of intriguing. And like, ooh, okay, I can get into this. Because at that point... I was a little down on the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's fair. It's, it's understandable, yeah. Yeah, I came back to it. I definitely came back to it. I'm down right now, but I'm sure <laughs> there will be a point in the near future where I'm like, all right, I got to watch Eternals. I got to watch Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got to watch this, that, this, that. So Sony hacks happen. We get the news that they're going to try and rejuvenate the Spider-Man franchise. Lo and behold, we learn that the guys who do the 21, 22 Jump Street movies are going to be doing it. And I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about that because often people think that this is like a Lord and Miller joint, right? Mm-hmm. They think that like this was written and directed by them because they did the Lego movie, I think, right? Yeah, I think they did. I think they I think they directed, if I'm not mistaken. We can look it up. Yeah, we, we can look it Lego up. Lego movie. Hmm. It was it was written and directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. So, yeah, they yep. did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I think the common conception is that they also did Into the Spider-Verse. And that's just not true. Right. And that's unfortunate for the directors and 
uh, I think, the other writer of Into the Spider-Verse. Because, yeah, no, the other writer is one of the directors of Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Rodney Rotham. Sorry, let me repeat that. Rodney Rotham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, I just think, you know, that's kind of a shame because the work in this movie is pretty incredible. Like, I have never seen animation done in this style. All the different types that are interwoven. There's some anime influence, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's some old-school like hand-drawn influence and then there's just this like sort of like computer generated animation that I've just never seen before and I don't think I've seen really since can you think of anything else that kind of like even touches this no I can't think of it I think this movie they did something that no other animated movie has done before because yeah the animation style in this is just mind-blowing it felt like watching a comic book come to life Pretty much like it's plain. Like if you're reading it, this is how you see it in your head. And so this is what the movie felt like. That is just all this is just coming to life. Yeah. Like these intense and insane splash pages thrown up on the big screen. The little boxes when Miles is using his uh, webs confidently for the first time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, my God. Yeah. That part. Oh, my God. It cracks me up because it's like the. Yeah, when he first realizes it, and uh, <laughs> there's like the one part where he says, I think I hit puberty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It cracks me up. And then when... Uh, oh, the part, the text keeps... boxes where he's like, what does he say? I think everyone can hear my thoughts, hear my thoughts. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like he's uh, going through the hallway like, like they know, they know. Like, oh, oh, she's super tall. <laughs> so yeah. That whole, that whole scene cracks me up. Uh, yeah, no, me too. I love it. So I think we should just go ahead and get into it. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm ready. This morning I woke up in the fortress of distortion. I'm at war with my emotions. So how many of us are there? Miles Morales is a mild-mannered teenager. Uh, His mother and father are kind of forcing him to attend a fancy prep school he has just won a lottery for. He's more concerned with his art and kind of just being a kid. Meanwhile, his dad is an overbearing police officer who holds a grudge against their friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, who is, you guessed it, Peter Parker. At least this universe is Peter Parker. We see Miles has a close relationship with his uncle Aaron, voiced outstandingly by Ma. Say that I can't. I always fuck it up. I I know. I do too. I I see it and I can never say it right. Okay, we're going to try. I really apologize, listener. But Uncle Aaron is voiced by the outstanding Mahershala Ali. and That was pretty good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, 
yeah, just like one of the one of the many great uh, voice performances. Um, without getting too derailed, I think it's really important to note Shamik Moore, who just delivers a performance that has such a lightness and a funness. Like his laugh, it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> like love it. He's got this close relationship with his uncle Aaron, and one night Miles sneaks out of his new school and he gets some life advice from Uncle Aaron. Want to talk about that life advice? Oh, that life advice is, you know, just how to pick up and talk to women and the whole <laughs> uh, hey touch, yeah, <laughs> which the... I actually wanted to try after I watched it. I was like, oh, is this how it works? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets that life advice from his uncle Aaron and they put up some graffiti art together. It's mostly Miles doing it, but Uncle Aaron's watching, giving pointers. They got the boombox blasting and it looks like they're having a great fucking time and while putting up his new piece miles is unclimactically bitten by a radioactive spider what'd you think of that i was like oh so peter parker must have just been overreacting in that 2002 spider-man movie <laughs> yeah i laughed when when miles got bit and he just like smacks it off his hand it was like just like no he felt like no pain no sort of like he wasn't scared in any way and that that part cracked me up but i also thought um when is it going to be my turn to get bit by a radioactive spider Right? No, for real. Like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I agree with you, my friend. A little while later, Miles stumbles across Peter Parker as Spider-Man, attempting to foil the activation of a particle collider. He watches on as Spider-Man does battle with Green Goblin, the Prowler, and the unseen Kingpin. Spider-Man saves Miles and realizes that he's just like him. They have a really cute moment together where Peter promises to train him after he's done saving the city. Sadly, however, a devastating blow is dealt by Goblin, and moments later, Kingpin delivers a killing blow. However, not before he can hand off the USB kill key to the particle collider to Miles in order to prevent it from going live next time Kingpin tries to turn it on. I love their version of Kingpin, how he's just like this huge, like his upper body is so large. And there's that like one scene when you first meet him and it's just his head because his entire body is taking up the screen. It's 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 cool, but it's also kind of funny. It's comic representation, really. Yeah. So Milo flees with the Prowler in pursuit and narrowly escapes. In the coming days, the city of New York mourns the loss of Spider-Man, and Miles starts to explore his newfound powers, and attempts to honor Peter's memory and wishes. Soon after, he visits Peter's grave and is surprised by a mysterious figure whom he promptly knocks out. He just knocks this guy out. We don't know who he is. Well, do we know who he is? Have we had that flashback yet? Uh, no. No, we we find out after, after, after Miles knocks him out. That's right. Okay. And then, uh... So we don't know who this guy is. So still with his powers not under control, cops show up and Miles, with this mysterious figure attached via web to him, they evade the police through a thrilling and quite hilarious chase sequence through the streets of New York. And again, we are going to say it again and again, folks, but some of the animation in the sequence is just, as I will commonly say on this podcast, chef's kiss. Mm, Chef's kiss indeed. Oh my gosh. Yes. So after this chase comes to an end, Miles is surprised to find that the individual he's been dragging through the city is Peter Parker. But not his Peter Parker. This Peter Parker is Peter B. Parker, an alternate universe's version of his own Spider-Man. And I gotta say here, uh, for any of the New Girl fans out there, Jake Johnson just being any version of Spider-Man, I would I would pay good money to see that in live action, to be quite honest. No, I know I would too. Jake Jake Johnson yeah. is is awesome. He is hilarious. I love him in anything he does. I was a huge fan of him from New Girl. I absolutely love that show. 
So when I found out that he was casted in this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And it's super fun. And he delivers some of that kind of like dry and sardonic Jake Johnson wit that we all mm-hmm. love. And so it's really clear that this Peter Parker is somewhat disillusioned and washed up. And Miles is kind of skeptical of his ability to save the city. We're kind of led to believe that maybe this Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker, is not really all that interested in saving this city. He just really wants to get home. And it's also in these moments that we learn that Miles has the ability to emit what is called a venom blast, a bioelectric burst of energy. This is wild to me. Again, I had no conception of Miles. I had no idea that there were other Spider-Man outside of, you know, the nerdy uh put upon peter parker and so when this spider-man is like oh like i'm a legit superhero i don't just have sticky fingers and webs i'm like holy shit (laughs) uh and so eventually peter b reluctantly agrees to train the the very green miles and they head to kingpin's laboratory to steal data to create a new kill key as the previous one was destroyed during the escape from the last particle accelerator at this lab the two spider-man learn that miles has the ability to not just emit these venom bursts but also become invisible which provides for many slapstick and comedic moments they also meet Doc Ock, who once again is voiced by an incredible actor. It's the uh, it's the amazing Catherine Hahn, everybody, and she is just killing it as this gender swapped Doc Ock. Um, she gives us that fun little line: "My friends call me what is it? What's her name? Ah, she says my friends call me Liv, my enemies call me Doc Ock." Yeah, there. I think is just there we go. So great. There it is. They do battle with the new Doc Ock, learn to work together, but are almost immediately captured in their escape from the lab and nearly killed, if not for another universe's spider person. This time it's Spider-Gwen, or Spider-Woman as she self-identifies as. She intervenes and saves them as she has also been transported to Miles' universe in a manner very similar to Peter B. After this, they make their way to Miles' universe's Aunt May, where they find Penny Parker, Spider-Man Noir, and Spider-Ham. It's, uh, Spider Spider Noir was probably one of the best highlights of this entire movie. The the lines that he has are just hysterical. And I was also shocked by who they picked to voice uh Spider Noir. Um Because it's the amazing Nicolas Cage. Can't believe it. Cannot believe it. I was unaware of the voice cast going in completely had no idea who they were um and i was i kid you not shook i was like holy shit that's nicholas fucking cage that's that's nick cage uh and yeah yeah the cast on this movie is just beyond anything that it's an it's an amazing cast they put together yeah it's just wild so we have nick cage who is spider-man noir as dime has so graciously mentioned we also have Kimiko Glenn as Penny Parker and stand-up whiz kid himself, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. And whatever your feelings are about John Mulaney these days, this was like peak John Mulaney time. His stand-up was the talk of the town. He was in a very loving and admired relationship. We don't need to go any deeper on that. Uh, (laughs) But that also was just like, what? Like, (laughs) <laughs> what John Mulaney's in this that's awesome and Spider-Ham delivers I think some of the best uh, best dialogue and best moments in this movie 
And so the Spider Gang all together start to formulate a plan and Miles volunteers to turn on the collider in order for the rest of the team to go home. They seem a little skeptical that he is an untested spider person and they're not really sure if he's up for the task. And in a way, they then reject him. An upset Miles retreats to Uncle Aaron's to find him absent from his home and who shows up a minute later but the Prowler, revealed to be very immediately Uncle Aaron. Man, my jaw was on the floor. Miles returns to Maze upon learning this information and is sadly followed by the Prowler, Kingpin, and his other minions. In the brawl, Aaron, about to kill Miles, realizes that it's his nephew. And in sparing him, Aaron is fatally shot by Kingpin for not following through on their mission. In what is likely the emotional linchpin of the film, we get this scene between Miles and his uncle as his uncle is dying. And one of the things that I typically struggle with with animation is the performances in an actor's eyes and their face I find can be so powerful and so moving and I feel like that's usually lost in animation but here it's just like it's so felt like I feel for Miles I feel the conflict that's going on in Aaron's mind I feel the conflict that's going on for Miles because he's just realized that his uncle is for lack of a better way of explaining it evil uh, at least working for the side of evil and now he's dying. So you've got these two things going on at the same time where it's like, you know, I love my uncle, but he's a bad guy. But I don't even get to process that because he's now dead. Yeah, it's it's a very heavy emotional scene that it, I think it really is like the driving force for Miles. Because, yeah, his, you know, his whole world just shattered that he found out that his uncle has been the prowler this whole time. But, yeah, like you said, he can't process everything because the same guy who is the prowler is dying right in front of him and it's the guy that he looks up to the guy that he admires that in a way uncle aaron has also been like a father figure for miles so for him to mm -hmm. to have to deal with this at this moment is it's just heartbreaking yeah and it's made even worse by the fact that as aaron is dying miles's own dad and aaron's brother shows up at the scene we're led to believe that he believes that Spider-Man, who is Miles, is the one who has killed Uncle Aaron. And so there's this conflict going on within his dad, and Miles can't tell his father that he, you know, knows, and that he's Spider-Man, and of course he didn't kill his own uncle. And so, you know, I say that this is kind of the emotional climax of the film, but it's going to be followed up almost immediately with a little break into a scene that, you know, you and I have watched together that I think is just as impactful, just as emotional and tear-jerking but it definitely ends on a higher note. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But at this point, our hero finally has that like that central tragedy that is so vital to Spider-Man lore. He's now got the dead relative, and like that's a very that's a very quick, easy, uh, catless way of putting it. But that is vital to every Spider-Man's lore, and we do get that amazing uh, that amazing sequence with all the other Spider people. Where like, if there's anybody in the world who knows what you're going through, it's us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they've been through this. And we kind of get a repeat of that in uh, in uh, Spider-Man 3 from the MCU. Yeah, they, they've been through this before. They know what it feels like. So if anybody's going to understand, it's, it's these guys. Before that exact uh, conversation takes place, Miles flees the scene of the crime. He regroups with the Spider-Gang. And the others have started to formulate a plan to save the universe and get home. Except Peter B. will now fill for Miles in the role of turning off the collider and stay behind in Miles' universe. 
Peter B. restrains Miles in a chair with his webs, leaving him behind as he takes off with the Spider Gang to the new Particle Accelerator. Unable to break free, the tied-up Miles is visited by his dad. The two never come face-to-face, but his father exchanges some difficult yet beautiful words through the locked door. He alludes to Uncle Aaron's death and tells his son that he knows they may not understand each other, that his father sees this spark in him, and that he knows Miles will be great no matter what he does with his life. He tells him he loves him and that Miles doesn't have to say it back, and he leaves. This just, like, I was tearing up watching it with you. I was, like, getting sad. I was getting emotional. It's it's really well performed, but it's just it's just so good. Yeah, I, I got I got chilled up. It's it's a oh it's a scene. It's it's so great. Miles. Uh Miles is your dad. Please open the door. Miles, I can see your shadow moving around. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Yes. Still ignore me. Look, can we talk for a minute? Something, um, something happened. Look, sometimes people drift apart, Miles. And I don't want that to happen to us, okay? Look, I know I don't always do what you need me to do or say what you need me to say, but I'm I see this, this spark in you. It, it's amazing. It's why I push you, but it's yours. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. So call me when you can, okay? I love you. You don't have to say it back. So, overcome with emotion from the moment and his uncle's death, Miles emits a concentrated venom blast and escapes his web chains, and he runs to Aunt Mace to suit up in what is undeniably, I think, the coolest and most kick-ass superhero suit-up sequence of all time. I mean, Miles Morales is Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, it's... Oh, my God. I mean, the suit is amazing. And, yeah, the whole the whole sequence is just incredible. I, I loved it. Miles has escaped his insecurities. He's found himself and embraced his power. It's truly an awesome and inspiring sequence. Then Miles joins the Spider Gang and they defeat Kingpin's entourage and Miles manages to help the other Spider people home. He defeats Kingpin with a Venom Blast, throwing him at the kill switch, turning the collider off, saving the city and the entire universe. Kingpin and his cronies are arrested and Spider-Man slash Miles and his father agree to work together even if they disagree with the other's methods. Spider-Man tells his dad he loves him. It's really cute. (laughs) I think it's adorable. And we end the film with our new friendly neighborhood Spider-Man taking up the mantle. And that's the end of the movie. Right there. There we go, guys. (laughs) And so, like, were you, like, super hype walking out of the movie theater at that pre-screening? I was thinking about it probably for a while, especially all day that day. I... Yeah, I, I left feeling mind blown after watching everything because it was just something I've never seen before, especially with the character of Spider-Man. So, yeah, I, I left feeling on a very, very high note. And outside of like just like that initial high, I don't know if you've like really thought about this, but like what do you think about the story specifically of Miles's story originally resonated with you like why did it give you that high and why do you keep on going back to it 
Yeah, I think because uh, I wrote it, I wrote it down in my notes. It, um, I think it was just a great showcasing of representation that this character Miles Morales is getting his moment on the big screen, and it just connected with me because he was just being himself. He was being his own version of what Spider-Man, or what he would like to be as Spider-Man, and it it made me feel like that I could be like Miles Morales, like I could be Spider-Man. That how they say in the movie, anyone can wear the mask. Like I felt that. They're like, yeah, I could take up the mantle and do this. And so that's that's what like really hit me with home with this. Yeah, no, beautiful stuff, Dime. Just jumping off of that, why why do we keep on going back to it? And you know that kind of thought that I had. Does Into the Spider Verse still resonate that strongly with you? Has your relationship with it evolved at all? And like, why do you think it has? If it has, uh, no, I don't think it's involved. I get the same love that I have for it every time I watch it, because I still we after watching I always get chills and just like like that yeah this is like i could do this like like you can be whoever you want to be sort of thing where you know if you take it away from just spider-man like you can do whatever you want to you can be whoever you want to be that's what i also love about the movie and that's why i keep going back to it so every time i watch it it kind of feels like i'm watching it for the first time because it's just such a great experience so yeah, so my love for it hasn't changed all that much other than it probably just grows more and more and why, why it's such a great movie. That's beautiful. I love that. So something I usually like to ask people, do you like show this to people? Do you like, like meet a new friend or see a family member you haven't seen in a while and go like, have you seen Into the Spider-Verse? And if their answer is like, no, you're like, all right, I know what we're doing tonight. Like, let's watch it. Do you do that ever? No, I haven't done that with this movie yet because um, I I think it's just that whole thing of I'm not sure how a lot of people feel about animated movies and how they feel about superhero movies um, mm-hmm. even though that's you know Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is more than just a uh, superhero movie I'm always kind of skeptical about uh, showing it to some people just because I don't know if they're going to really dig it the way I dig it so I haven't been I yeah I haven't been in a situation where I could show it to somebody, but I think, I think now after watching it as many times as I have, I think if I were to reconnect with a friend or, you know maybe even like a family member, and they said they haven't seen this, they'd be like oh yeah you need to go get this right now or yeah let's put this on mm-hmm. right now let's just watch it because I I love it that yeah. much that I think at this point now I can think I can start showing it to somebody. And in the same vein. Even if it's not you recommending it to people and people are coming to it maybe through this episode or they're scrolling through a streaming service or they're at their local library and they find it and they're like, oh, okay, animated Spider-Man movie. I haven't heard of this. What would you like? And this may be a little redundant. You might have already touched on it, but like, what would you hope they take out of it? I would hope that they take, you know, to learn about these characters because this is a great introduction to like Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, because, you know, everybody knows Peter Parker, but this movie also, uh, it doesn't go into too much about the other Spider-Man characters, but it gives you the good introduction that there are others out there. And so, you know, I hope that people can realize that. And then also that it's just such a, um, you know, beautifully well-told story with amazing animation that I think anybody would just love, um, 
because it's you know it's like we said earlier, it's not your typical animated movie. This thing, this movie does something that no other animated animated movie has done before, and so I think that too could probably you know wow some people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I just gotta add, since you talked about the other Spider Man and how you know those little itty bitty intros, they do get the whole like, all right, let's do this one more time. I <laughs> I love that so much. It's so fun. Oh yeah, it was great. Is there anything else that you want to bring up that you want to talk about that we haven't covered? Anything I missed? Uh, I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't talked about. Um, well, I do. I did love this version of Doc Ock. I, I love the fact that they made it a woman that was played by the amazing Catherine Hahn. I thought that was incredible. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. just, um, yeah, I just, cause I, I mean, I thought alone was just awesome, but just also too with all the other characters or their versions of them felt very much comic booky. So like the green goblin looks like a giant green goblin. And uh, I think like Kingpin is just this larger than life sort of person. And like Spider Noir is black and white, like he's like how you would read it in the comic book. So he's yeah. actually in black and white in a colorful world. I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah, the Rubik's Cube sequence at the end. Oh, I don't understand right. this. Like, I'm taking it with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, uh, what else? Oh, what also too yeah, with the Rubik's Cube when he was um, when he was toying with it earlier with uh, Peter Ham and he kept asking what color it is and he's like, no. But that part cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love that. Uh, that cage never fails, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a. Uh, it never fails now. All right. So, like, the big question. What's your favorite part of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah, I, there's there's so many memorable, amazing scenes in this movie. I almost wrote down a different one. Uh, not because it was, like, your favorite, but, well, kind of because it's just hysterical. Um, but it's when... So, it's when the Spider... I guess you could say Spider-Gang goes to the um, event and uh and peter b parker runs into um uh runs uh oh then runs into mary jane voiced by who i recently found out was zoe kravis i did not know that for like the longest time um so then when i looked it up one day i was like you gotta be kidding me this was her the whole time um but when uh, when they run into each other and it's like the whole bread scene, uh, and you know he said like this place should this place should just fill up with the you know fresh bread just for you, uh, that that whole scene cracks me up. But um, but actually my favorite scene and we actually watched it earlier is the what's up danger the whole that whole sequence that that alone yeah that alone is my favorite part because it's you see Miles start to become spider-man because earlier in the movie uh when he sees the, the classic spider-man suit you know he's looking up to it so he's not eye to eye but then when he comes back to it this time around he's like eye level with it so he's embracing that he is spider-man and then you see him swinging through the city you know suiting up and the whole song what's of danger is playing I just get chills every time I watch it. It's just such a great scene. And this is such a great song to go with that scene. 
And so it's hands down my favorite part of the entire movie. Uh, especially to when he first does the leap and then he's falling down, but everything like it's upside down. Oh my god. I just can't get enough of it. It's so good. That Mary Jane sequence, I didn't even think of. I love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Is I when I think I watched it maybe the time when I bought it digitally and I got to that scene, I kept rewinding it because it's just the whole back and forth between the two. And also it's this classic Jake Johnson humor that he provides as the character. So that alone too just makes it just hysterical. So I I think there was yeah one time it took me a while to finish the movie just like because I kept rewinding that part alone. It's yeah so good. Um, so moment of truth. I think it's time that you reveal to the people because they really want to know what is your letterbox rating. It's a five star movie. You know that's that's my rating. That's what I'm. That's this is where I'm at with it. You know the animation's incredible. The story is incredible. The cast is incredible. I just felt this is really also the movie that made me fall in love with Miles Morales and where I just wanted to see him in everything. And that's why I got him, you know, played the video game. And I'm excited for the sequel that's coming out next year. And then the, the, the third one is coming out in two years. I can't wait. Um, I just I yeah, I don't know what more to say other than the fact that I just absolutely love this movie. It's, it's just a five star banger. Yeah, that's the best, and I love that you love it, and I will take the opportunity to say that my rating is also five stars. This is there a five-star movie. This Look is at that. probably my favorite superhero movie, carte blanche. Uh, nothing compares to it. Nothing is as good, as memorable, and as exciting as Into the Spider-Verse, so... There you have it, folks. Two five-star ratings from Ian and Dime. Also, I just want to add, we are all surprised. We are all shook. We, The nation, our listeners, and myself never saw Dime's five-star rating coming. Um, <laughs> very surprising. Uh, but I, I got I to ask you a question, though. I, I, you know, I want to know, what was your favorite part of this movie? So, my favorite part of this movie... I've definitely thought about it and it's been really difficult because for like a lot of movies it's really easy to figure out a favorite part but when you have so many amazing parts it's like how do I choose I could easily just say the soundtrack I could easily pick one of the many amazing scenes um but you know you've inspired me a little bit so I'm gonna pick from my collection that I have of uh memorable moments and I will say that just in general, the dynamic between Spider-Gwen and Miles is so perfectly executed. Haley Steinfeld gives a fantastic performance. I know I've said that about everybody, but it's true. Everybody in this is fantastic. And the dynamic between her and Moore, even though it's just voice, is just electric. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. And, you know, they never have, like, a true romantic moment. Mm -hmm. It's not a relationship yet. But I think we might be getting it soon. I'm hoping. Yeah, they're definitely hinting at it. They're definitely teasing at it. And they had great chemistry. And so, yeah, my favorite part of Into the Spider-Verse is definitely just the scenes with them and their dynamic and culminating in that final moment of the film where we get the transmission from Spider-Gwen across the multiverse. 
Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, cause I oh yeah, we almost forgot to too. Yeah, to mention Haley Steinfeld, but yeah, she. Yeah, we almost yeah, did. We almost did, but yeah, she yeah she's great, and I too I loved all the scenes with with both Miles and Gwen. I just thought it was just, it was really cute. It was kind of like this the will they won't they sort of thing, but I, I just loved at the end of it that they like they understood each other. And they were starting to really build this sort of like relationship or friendship wherever, you know, it's going to go this sort of thing. They were both on the, like the same level. And it was just, yeah, it was just really cute to just see them just like banter, things like that. Yeah, no, completely agree, obviously. Um, all right. So uh, before we close out the show, I am very excited to announce that the show has received their first voicemail and their first email. Are you okay to stick around and listen and read those with me? Yes, yes, yes. I am very excited to hear what the what the listeners, what our fans, your fans, what they got to say. Let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag. Our first email is going to be from our friend, Joe Jazzy, who we know from the 70mm Discord, the VHS Village. Joe Jazzy, commonly known as Joe, says, Hello, Dime, Ian, and the What Was Your Favorite Part podcast. Congratulations on your first episode. Thrilled to see all the exciting guests in featured films in the future. Spider-Man has been my favorite superhero since I was a little kid. I had Spider-Man sheets, bedspread, pillows, curtains, alarm clock that played the same theme song, action figures, you name it. I loved the first movie to death, and while I enjoyed some of the future iterations of the character, nothing ever quite beat out the first masterpiece from 2002. Spider-Verse beat it out pretty handedly for me. I saw it in an almost empty theater with my girlfriend, and it blew both of us out of the water. The animation is easily some of the most visually impressive work I've ever seen in film. Nearly any single frame could be a gorgeous desktop wallpaper. The voice acting was great, and I love that we were finally getting a movie with Miles Morales. Full of humor, charm, and a really engaging origin story plotline. This is an easy all-timer for me. Hyped for the sequel. Going to have to be rewatching this shortly. Thanks all, Joe. Ah. Joe, Joe, did we did we do this for Joe? This is this episode is dedicated to Joe now, okay? Because we spoke to this man. I think, yeah, I would say so. Joe, we dedicate episode one of what was your favorite part to you? What a lovely email. We really appreciate it. It seems like uh, this is a universally loved film. Oh yeah, I, th- I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think like Joe said, I think it's like an all timer for a lot of people, and I think it's it clearly speaks to a wide audience so it's great that you know somebody um was able to just resonate with it so much and i mean i gotta say too like you know i like i like spider-man but you know but joe you know he's beating me with that you know he had the comedy he had the the sheets like i can't even come close to what joe could do yeah once again thank you joe this episode is dedicated to you and we also have our first voicemail from again our friend from the 70 millimeter discord your friend and mine, Mackenzie, of the Austin Danger podcast, a film of the week podcast in which she and her co-host Kev dive deep into the filmographies of the Austin Powers franchise. No matter how big or small the connection, you can bet they're going to talk about it. Let's go ahead and listen to Mackenzie's voicemail. Hello, Mackenzie, coming at you live from the parking lot of a Barnes & Noble for some reason. And I just wanted to send some love and... 
say congrats on the new podcast. This is such a big deal and this is so exciting and I am so wildly pumped to listen to these first few episodes. The movies that are chosen are just all-timers, five bangers as as some might say and uh, really just pumped to hear a podcast of people gushing about the movies they love. That's the best kind of stuff is just to hear people who are passionate about something talk about why they are and why they love these things and I'm just so ready. I'm ready for this feel-good podcast. So uh, congrats. I'm pumped to listen. I'm sending all of my love, all of my joy, all of my heart over here to you all. And uh, yeah, just really excited to keep listening. Have a great day. Oh, Mackenzie, my heart, making me emotional over here. What was your favorite part? Can't necessarily promise you a solve to your problems, but we can promise you a feel-good podcast about people gushing about the movies that they love. So we're coming to the end of the show. Mackenzie, thank you for that voicemail. Joe, thanks for that email. You guys rock. We love y'all. Thank you so much, Dime. This has been a blast. How does it feel to be on the premiere of a podcast? Oh, man, it's it was great. I mean, just being able to talk about this movie was awesome. I never been able, I never really talked about it to this length with anybody before, so this was great to be able to do this. So thank you for inviting me. Um, and then be able to you know, uh, hear the letter from Joe and hear the voicemail from Mackenzie was great. This whole experience was awesome. Uh, I just, I'm excited to see how this podcast is going to turn out. I mean, like I said, I've seen the film schedule. There's a big lineup. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. You guys are just going to stay tuned and see what Ian has cooking. Cause trust me, there's a lot of big movies on the way. It's, it's going to be great. And yeah, like I said, this was been a lot of fun to be on the premiere I just, it was great. I just, I loved it. Thank you. You rock dime. Can't wait to hang out with you more in the discord and hopefully we get to do this again soon. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got to do something. (laughs) All right, dime. Well, we are going to wrap up. Where can people find you? Well, yeah, you know, we've been talking a lot about movie journeys and things like this. So you guys can uh, find me on Letterboxd at uh, King Dime. Um, it's just, you know, spelled K-I-N-G-D-I-M-E. Um, I'm logging movies as often as I can. Uh, I've been meeting a lot of great people on there, like Ian. Um, I'm more than welcome, you know, to follow whoever wants to, you know, follow me. I just, I love it. I've been using Letterboxd almost, even when I'm not watching a movie, I use Letterboxd. So that's probably like a great way to, you know, to start off and find me. And, um, and yeah, I think that's a... I think it's a good place to start. Nice. Yeah, Letterboxd is my preferred social media app. I think I spend an ungodly amount of time on there every single day. Yeah. Um, come find us on Letterboxd. Uh, Dime, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you again. Oh, no. I'll, see you, I'll see you soon, my friend. No, thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a good day, too. This was great being on here. I thank you again for the invite. It was an amazing time. again to dime for joining me and thank you to you for listening to the show i really hope you got something out of it next time on the show we're discussing magnolia pta's 1999 mosaic of love loss and forgiveness in the san fernando valley 
If you want to write in about your favorite part of Into the Spider-Verse, or if you want to say something about our next featured film, Magnolia, or if you just want to say hi, send your letters, voicemails, and feedback to www.yfp.pod at gmail.com. Our email once again is www.yfp.pod at gmail.com. Also be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Was Your Favorite Part is written, edited, and produced by me, Ian. Until next time, be well and watch movies. Bye now. Time I'm walking out